0: Welcome back to The Breakthrough Room. I'm your host, Christine, and I'm so excited for today's episode. I am bringing on a guest who happens to be my friend, just so happens. She's a digital nomad for over a year now, travel blogger, influencer, and a writer with a passion to empower others to be themselves. Her name, Julie B. Rose. You can find her blog at com, or catch her on her Instagram at julie b rose. It's very interesting to look at her account. She just has so many beautiful pictures of the different places she's been across the country, actually across the world, with her fur baby. Shout out Penny, who travels with her everywhere. Julie and I met about 10 years ago in Arizona. We didn't really know each other that well. I was a dance instructor. She was a dance student. We both shared a passion for dance, but We didn't know each other in the way that we do now. It was still very professional and very cordial, maybe more of an acquaintance, if you would like to say. And somehow I came across her profile during the time that I was transitioning out of Arizona and realized she was living city to city, kind of like how I wanted to do, but I went a different direction. And then as she was getting closer to the East Coast, I reached out to her. I was like, hey, you should come to Miami. And there she was, January 1st, 2021. She came to Miami. She was there for a month. We really got to know each other, have a good time, explore Miami, have some pretty ridiculous stories to share at some point in time, might not be for this episode. And in getting to know each other, I kind of found out we we lived a very similar life in the sense of in Arizona, we were trying to pursue a certain direction that didn't really fit us. But we did it because that's what you're supposed to do. At least that's what we were told. And here we are breaking free of that expectation and living more authentically to ourselves. I'm really excited to have her on here, get to know her a little bit, dive in a little deeper to some of the stuff that I kind of already know, but would love for you to hear. So welcome, Miss Julie B. Rose, to the Breakthrough Room. Welcome Julie. I'm so excited to have you. I'm so pumped to be your first guest. I can't wait. I know. Okay. So what city are you in now? I'm in Kansas City, Kansas. Okay. So I did let everyone know already that you are a digital nomad. To me, honestly, before I really met you, that was a new term. So for anyone who's not familiar with what that means, what exactly is a digital nomad?
1: Well I think there's a couple there's a couple ways to define it I think the way that it's been defined sort of over the past ten years is someone who has a job that's digital which allows them to really be location independent and live elsewhere than the place where their job might be headquartered or perhaps they have clients all over the place or perhaps they don't even have that kind of job so I think it's it's doing work that allows you to be in whatever place you choose to be and I guess as far as I take the nomad lifestyle is that I'm doing that. I work at a job that is location independent, which means I can be anywhere, but I choose to be many places, and I know that not everybody takes that route. I appreciate being able to move fairly often and see lots of places,
0: and, and that's kind of how I'm living the, the nomad life. Okay, so before we really get into, like, how you decided to do all this, just give us a picture of, like, maybe what the last month has looked like for you as far as, like, where you've been.
1: Wow. Um, now I have to remember. <laughs> so I, would, I think a month ago I was, I was somewhere around um, upstate New York, or no, I was near, like, the Finger Lakes area, and I spent about a week there, then I spent a week in... Ohio in uh, Cleveland. Yep. And then I spent a week in Wisconsin. And then I just came back from Minnesota for a week. So now I'm kind of making my way south to try to stay warm for the winter. Oh, you got to come visit me. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely.
0: I think you may have passed me already,
1: right? I've been doing loop de loops all over the US. Um, I, I think people ask me, how do I figure out where I'm going? And really not that scientific. And it just so happens that I'm, my mom's on vacation right now. So, so I'm watching her cats. And, and then, you know, every couple of months, I'm sure I'll have somewhere else I'm supposed to be for some sort of occasion. And it's really about kind of filling in the blanks in between and seeing what I feel like.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I think the the cool thing about what you're doing is that, at least for the most part in society, we're expected to have like geographic stability, which I think would imply social and maybe even economic stability. And you're kind of living in this place of complete uncertainty. I mean, would you say that's true?
1: I'm in a free fall.
0: Um, Yeah, it's chaos. (laughs) (laughs) But the funny part about that is like, while that may be terrifying for some, when you really think about that, life is completely uncertain. So this idea of being geographically stable is really just a cover to make you think you're control, you have control over everything when you, you really don't. Exactly. I learned that kind of the hard way. So
1: back when the pandemic started, I was actually not at my previous home in Phoenix. I was traveling through New Mexico and Texas and the pandemic kind of hit the world and everything was shut down. And here I was in my Airbnb in Austin and I was like, I'm alone. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know anybody. I'm not supposed to be around people. Nothing's open. This was not the, you know, plan that I had for my month of March 2020. And all I thought was, I want to be home. I want to be at my house in Phoenix. I want to be like amongst my friends. And I checked out of the Airbnb in Austin. I got home to Phoenix. And then after being in Phoenix for a couple of weeks, I'm like, what am, what am I doing here? I don't feel comfortable and stable and happy and at ease to be here. Like we're still in a pandemic. And I think I started to realize it's a falsehood to kind of feel safe and attached to a physical place because you can still have tons of uncertainty, external circumstances that are affecting you. And I didn't feel safe and comfortable to be in Phoenix. I felt trapped and smothered. And so kind of, that was one of the realizations that led me down
0: this path. Yeah, I I completely relate to you saying you feel trapped and smothered in Phoenix. Like, I actually have never used those words, but I think I'm going to steal them because I think that's really how I felt in Phoenix when I was there. Okay, so let's go back. When you were not a nomad, and you were living in Phoenix, what was your life like at that point? Well, I lived in Phoenix for 11 years.
1: And during that time, I was I was single, then I was dating, and then I was single for a long time and had the house, had the two-car garage and the backyard and the stable job and all of that. And, you know, by all, by all intents and purposes, you're supposed to be happy when you've sort of made it and you've, you're secure in, in all of life's blessings and so on. But I think, I don't know, just after a while, it didn't really seem to serve me. and I wanted more. I wanted more adventure. I didn't want to feel complacent. I didn't want to have routine. I wanted to
0: live differently. I guess to label it, you just had a very traditional life. You lived a very linear path. You went to school, you went to college, got a degree, got a career, got a home, um, was in a serious relationship. I mean, you would agree with that?
1: Oh, yeah. I had I had hobbies. I had friends. I had a full social life. I had side hustles. I had all of that. But I was still kind of anchored in in Phoenix. And sure, I would go on trips and I would even go on long trips when I had the opportunity. But every time I got home, I just wanted to be back out there and and experiencing and living and and meeting people and challenging myself. And I think, you know, the pandemic sort of woke me up to I don't want to be trapped in a in an off home office. I if I can be elsewhere, I want to be elsewhere. I have motive and opportunity. So
0: I'm gonna I want to see that through. So before you became a nomad, before you started really traveling, did you ever dream of this life? Not in the way that it is today. I think This
1: all sort of started, the seeds were planted in 2017 when I got laid off, I was kind of working uh, at a high stress job that took up a lot of my time and I really enjoyed it, but it was kind of affecting my mental, my mental well-being. And of course I was devastated when I was laid off, but it definitely was a blessing in, in disguise. And now that my time was freed up, I realized how I had been so like indebted to that job and that title and that position that I didn't really have an identity outside of that. And, you know, my time was completely free now and I had to fill it in certain ways. And I, and I thought about all the things that I had deferred and uh, the opportunities that I couldn't pursue because I was working um, as hard as I was and I decided to take a four week jaunt trip to, to Europe. And I sort of just booked a flight out and I booked a, a flight back in a totally random different city. I packed up uh, just to carry on and had very few clothes, very few belongings because I really wanted to be mobile and on the move. And I think after I experienced that, I really took to heart how little we need to be happy. little we need to be fulfilled, I knew that I had way too many things and I wanted to be lighter and I wanted to have the ability to be much more mobile than I was. And I sort of planted a seed and there are many seeds that were planted along the way that, hey, I don't really need this much. And I don't really need to feel so connected to my things and my home and my house and my possessions because I can get by with less. And that lesson would just kind of continue to be taught and realized over the next, my gosh, now three to four years, and sort of render and materialize in a lot of different ways in a, and in a
0: lot of different places. So would you say that there was a moment, like a a clear defining moment where you were like, I'm completely just getting rid of everything. And this is the life I'm going to go over, like go down. Or did it just snowball into, I guess I'm selling my house now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think it, it
1: kind of snowballed. It, it was, you know, a lot of things, a lot of experiences, a lot of trials, a lot of experiments over time, but the realization that now was time did strike me. And the realization kind of happened. I think it was sometime in June 2020. It was 116 degrees or so in Phoenix. Kind of woke up and um they had just like closed the gyms back up because of the pandemic. I there was nothing to do. You couldn't be outside. You're trapped inside. My dog is miserable. Um and I'm like, what am I doing here? If if I can work anywhere, then why do I have all this stuff that's keeping me here? Now is the time. And every path, every stone that I paved, every decision that I had made over the three years prior kind of, um, you know, spun itself up and, and came to be in, hey, you did all this now. You're ready for this. Now is now's the time to take the next step because you've been presented with this opportunity to continue to work remotely and not have to travel for work at all. And I called up my boss, I texted her. She was probably like, "Uh uh-oh, what is she gonna tell me? And I told her, hey, you know, I'm I'm thinking about moving. And she's like, okay, where? And (laughs) then I said, nowhere specific. I kind (laughs) of just... I kind of just want to travel around and maybe land somewhere someday, but just want to travel around.
0: And unluckily, they were really supportive. That's really cool. So tell me about like any fears or doubts or any of those negative intrusive thoughts that you were telling yourself when you made this decision or did you have any? Well,
1: I mean, I think there was that, like, is this the right move? And I had people advising me, like, why don't you just rent your house out? I had people suggesting, you know, other things. I mean, granted, most most people were very supportive. But I knew kind of in my gut already. So it wasn't, it didn't matter what kind of like rational logical arguments somebody could make for me, because I already had had went down all those paths, all the hypotheticals. I had already, you know, came to this conclusion in my mind and my heart. And at that point it was like, hey, I don't care if you offer me $10,000 for a three month uh, booking of my house. That means I have to come back in three months. And that's a true story, by the way. I just wanna be done. I just wanna be rid of it. I just wanna offload. And I think once I sort of settled I'm the kind of person that settles on something and I made my mind up. You can't, you can't convince me. Otherwise the time has, has passed. I'm full speed ahead.
0: I think where most people kind of get trapped is playing it safe and kind of doing that. Like, well, I want to do this adventurous, crazy thing. I want to start my business. I want to do, you know, these things that are risky, but they're like, well, well, I'll rent out my house for three months. So if that doesn't fail, I'll just go back to my old life. Or if this plan doesn't work out, I'll just go back to the plan I already have. Meanwhile, you already know the plan you have, you don't want it. So we just don't like move forward. So I guess I mean, listening to what you're saying, I mean, you pretty much not only did you think it through, but like you listened to your intuition is what it sounds like.
1: I did. And I think what made my conviction so strong is the fact that I already had rented my house out for periods of time. I did a four month stint. I did a one month stint. I did another one month stint. You know, I had done it for a while, and I just came to the point that I really don't want to be called by somebody asking how do I flush the toilet. True story. <laughs> um, how do I turn on the shower? If you're a landlord, you know what I'm talking about, right? It was key for me to one, have already experimented and kind of went through those other options. And secondly, what I realized is that nothing is truly irreversible. Even if you do say, I'm, I'm guns blazing, I'm going all in, I'm doing this, dive head first, own it, embrace it, really take it on, no regrets, give it a try. And then, you know, in a year, all right, I'm ready to go back to traditional life. You can buy another house. You can get an apartment. You can always go back if you quit your job. You can go get another job. We we will. There's really no. I'm. I have no options. I'm stuck. Mm -hmm. So, I think that's another thing to to make sure you realize that you
0: you. There's always an out. Right. So I imagine I am. We've probably even spoken about this before, but I imagine that when you meet people. Most people are fascinated and they think it's the coolest thing in the world what you're doing. But then I imagine you probably have people asking you, like, what are you running away from? Or what are you chasing? (laughs) Yeah. Have you gotten asked that question?
1: I have. And actually just recently, I kind of want to like tongue in cheek respond. I'm not running away from something. I'm running towards something. I'm running towards um adventure. And amazing sights and attractions and new people and new experiences. And I'm grabbing my life by the horns. I'm not just sitting back and having my life happen to me like a lot of people, like I used to do. So I'm not running from, I mean, I guess you could say I'm running from complacency, but I'm not really running from it. I just left it behind and I'm going after what I want. What matters Mm -hmm. to me, not what's sort of been dictated to me um, and kind of the
0: automatic actions that I was taking before. Right. And so you also blog about your experience and document it all over Instagram as well, right? Yes.
1: I'm really active on Instagram vlogging probably about once a week, YouTube, uh, a little less often, but trying to get on YouTube regularly as well. There's a lot of interest. I think I think people admire this. They wish they could do it, but again, you know, we're kind of confined by a lot of those expectations and the limiting beliefs we have. So there's the external forces coming at us, there's the internal I could never do that both of those challenges kind of get in the way of, of what people want. And I think if you really think about it, if you do want to pursue something like this, do you want to be less attached to your things? Do you want to travel more? Do you want to have more opportunity? I want to inspire people to think that way. And I, and I hope that I am through some of,
0: my, um, some of my
1: work and my writing. Is
0: that why you started your writing? Like, did you re- initially start it for the purpose of empowering others or did it kind of morph into that? When I started my blog,
1: this was after I got back from that four week four-week trip to Europe. And that was just so revealing and so rewarding and so fulfilling in so many ways. And I had put some of my experiences up on Instagram. I had actually opened up my channel from private to public for the first time And I thought, hey, you know, if anybody wants to travel along, go for it. And I ended up getting a lot of questions um, and a lot of interest, just some in sort of my, you know, personal revelations and personal feelings, but also what was some of the practical things that I was finding about packing, about the train system, about you know, getting cash or getting the best exchange rate, and all of those things. And I had remembered when I had put together my plan my trip, I didn't find a lot of those resources. So part of it was, hey, I want to make some of the practical information available to people who are interested in doing long-term backpacking trips like me, but I also want them to see the value and the benefit of solo travel and being on your own and being self-sufficient and, you know, challenging yourself and pressing your boundaries and where that really gets you, not just obviously in travel, but everywhere in your life and i was having a lot of those kind of moments and i wanted to share those with people and the reception was good and so i kind of just continued and obviously that's evolved as my perspectives have changed as my experience has changed as my life has changed and and now i think there's kind of people following me for all sorts of reasons nomadic lifestyle related, but then also kind of some of my viewpoints on love and dating and finance and budgeting and all of these other, all of these other areas. So it's really kind of a full lifestyle blog, I suppose, if you want to call it that.
0: What would you say has, was probably not so much today, um, the most emotionally difficult thing to like break through in this transition from a very predictable life, very stable not only to use the word stable but um, traditional way of living to kind of just being on the road all the time there
1: are a lot of challenges for sure I'll just name a couple because I don't know if there's any huge one that stands out, but one of the big ones is leaving people behind that I have sort of come to really care about that perhaps there's somebody that I'm like, I could go over to your house every weekend and and we are hitting the town or we're having a movie night. And you think about how that person or that group of people could really be kind of your ride or die. And it's kind of like, well, here is the end of the line for now. And that is, you know, it's kind of a bummer. Cause then you go to another city and you kind of start the friend search over, or you're kind of just taking a break um, and maybe kind of going into your own introverted self every other week or so. So that has been challenging. I think something else is just planning never stops. And that is emotionally taxing. When you're a nomad, and I'm one that has been moving kind of fairly often every week or every few weeks, all this planning, all this booking, all this researching, it hurts. I mean, one, it's (laughs) very time consuming. And then two, you're just thinking like, how much does it cost and where will I be and what's the distance and blah, blah, blah. And that just takes a whole lot of brain power and it's soul sucking. So I didn't really foresee the amount of time and work it would go into that and then just some other things like some of the creature comforts that you have immediately grown accustomed to at first when I started a nomad life I was like I will never get to go back and sleep in my own bed again I don't have a bed and for whatever reason that was like whoa like brain you know brain explode But now, I don't know. I think I'm way over that by now. Um, And I kind of like the different environment. You really do kind of detach against, uh, detach from like material things and belongings. And you really kind of come to love the simplicity of I just have what I need and I can make it work and I am self-sufficient and I always do. Do you ever feel lonely? I really don't. And I think probably the reason for that is the fact that I travel with my dog. And she is my companion. She is like my little life partner. She's everything to me. And I imagine that if I didn't have her, I definitely would have those periods of loneliness. And I actually remember being back in Phoenix. And as soon as I got her it was like i had previously thought to myself it's saturday night do what am i going to have a date this you know this weekend or what am i going to do on saturday or what are my plans and as soon as i got penny it was like we're going to snuggle up to a movie you know i had <laughs> i had my whole like we're going to starbucks we're going to the park and we're watching a movie and um she really became a companion so i think any kind of longing for interaction, I don't really have, I don't really feel that. Mm -hmm. However, I mean, I'm very sociable. Penny and I will go out, we'll go to a brewery, we'll hang out. Of course, she's very, she's very sociable. So she'll start talking to talking to people. She'll start going up to people (laughs) and approaching them and asking for pets in in her own way. Like you said, everybody's interested in the journey. So I end up meeting a lot of people as I'm, as I'm traveling. And I think that's really cool
0: yeah okay so let let's let's talk about dating because dating is already hard enough when you live in one place how how do you how is dating when you're living all over the place?
1: This might be hard to believe, but I go on way more dates now
0: than when I lived in Phoenix, so basically, I should just move every week and I'll have a pretty active dating life. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're telling me? Is that what I'm doing wrong?
1: <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I think there's a couple things at play, though. So with this, one, you are kind of the new girl on the scene with a cool story. And it's, it's kind of like um, elusive or like mysterious. Yeah, yeah, mysterious. And so I think I, I get a lot of interest just for what I'm doing. Maybe it's a little bit more, less interest and more just curiosity, if you, if you understand the difference there. And so, yeah, there's tons of guys that are interested in in going out. And I think a little bit of, there's a little bit of urgency because they know that I could up and leave and I will up and leave at any moment. So they're quicker to move than others would be. And I say that because I remember back in Phoenix and I would start these conversations and it would be like, hurry up and ask me out. I don't want to just keep (laughs) texting. This Mm -hmm. is stupid. Be interesting, spark my interest. And then let's put something on the books. But there was that like, well, there's no urgency because I can just ask her out next week or I'll see her at the next party or, you know, depending on how you met this person. So there's that there's the urgency and kind of the, the uniqueness factor. And then also too, because of me, I don't have as many sort of checklist things and prereq things that I'm dealing with because I'm not taking it super seriously either. I know that I'm moving. I'm not like checking everybody to be like, how tall are you? And what's your religion? And are you looking for a girlfriend or a hookup? Or, you know, I'm not asking all those questions at this point. My only sort of prerequisite, give or take is, are you interesting enough? And do you have anything to offer me in terms of conversation that I could, that I would feel okay with like taking up two hours of my time and hanging out with you and you know, when guys come at me and I think, hey, you know, maybe you're not necessarily my type, but when they come come at me with some sort of, hey, these are my recommendations, or I suggest you should do this, and this is what I'm into, and they're just kind of interesting. Half the time I'm like, yeah, why not? If at least we can hold a conversation, then let's go out and grab a beer. And I think what I've learned is that the checklist is stupid, <laughs> because you can meet a lot of cool people and maybe they don't fit the image of whoever you think you're going to end up with or they don't fit your type, but you can still have a great time with them. And even if it doesn't turn into a relationship, and usually it doesn't, it is still a fun time. They can still offer you some perspective and, and it's
0: worthwhile. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say I date a lot. Have you uh met anyone that has like sparked the curiosity of extending it not necessarily extending your stay but extending that relationship a little bit longer or maybe try to develop that relationship yes yes
1: i have met people that i would be interested in seeing again that rarely happens though and it's not really for lack of me being open, because I'm definitely open to it. I think it has to do a lot with like their mentality of they're living this life, this stable life. I'm the one that's out on the town meeting other people. And so they're automatically kind of predisposed. And of of course, I'm, I'm making all of this up because I'm not in their heads. But this is my hunch. They're kind of predisposed predisposed to thinking, well, she's kind of doing this thing, and she's out living her life, and I don't want to intrude on that, and I don't want to beg, and I don't want to get rejected. Because if we meet, and we like each other, and we get along, and then I leave because I was always going to, that wasn't a rejection. That was me leaving. But if they pursue me, they come to me, and then eventually we talk, and we say, this isn't working, or I say this isn't working, that is rejection, and I think a lot of guys want to avoid that costs, and so when they already think, chances are I'm going to get rejected, why should I even try? That's my hunch.
0: I would love to get a guy's input on that, but I, I guess I could see that being their uh, thought process. Um, so you've been doing this for over a year now, right? Yeah, almost. I'm going on my fifteenth month. In a couple days. Yeah. What was your driving motivation to start? And is that the exact same of why you're continuing? I mean, I think
1: the journey has evolved. So, one of my goals over the first year was I want to hit all 50 states. I had already been to like 35 or 36. I wanted to finish out 50, sort of mapped it out that I could do so in a year by, like, moving on every few weeks or so. So I've done that. I've visited all 50 states, and I think I thought that after visiting all 50 states that I might find a place that I would definitely want to settle in. But I've been enjoying this so much, and there's so much in the world. So many places, so many cities, so many landscapes, so many climates. I mean, there's so so many things to see that I don't want to, I still don't want to be confined to a place. It's not that I haven't been to great places that I would definitely go back to and spend, you know, three to four months and I'll probably slow down, but I'm just not ready to, to be over. And, and now that the, you know, restrictions are kind of opening up, the world is, is trying to open up.
0: I want to take this international. So you don't at all like have just the slight itch to like, just stay put that hasn't happened yet. No, (laughs) I think
1: (laughs) that was a clear no. (laughs) So what do you mean by stay put? Because stay put permanently. Absolutely not. I can say that definitively, but staying put for three
0: to six months, that is probably a lot more likely, a lot more possible. How about staying put indefinitely? Like, you don't actually know when you'll pick up and leave. It's just, hey, I'm going to stay here. We'll just... So probably
1: not, because I'm also very mindful of the weather. And pretty much everywhere you stay, there's some kind of change in seasons. And I don't know. I want to basically skip winter everywhere, so... (laughs) (laughs) So I'll that's, stay in on one in one hemisphere half the year. I'll stay in another hemisphere the other half of the year. I don't know. That's kind of that's kind of where I see if I'm if you want me to think ahead and think permanent, what does this look like in the future? I might have seasonal hotspots or seasonal places that I take that I put down residences at. But as far as far as owning a house, I don't know that I want to do that immediately or again.
0: Okay, so I know you're writing a memoir. Can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to do that and what that looks like? Yeah, so I am writing a memoir. It's about one third written. A lot
1: of it is going to be, obviously, kind of walking through the last year, but I'll have flashbacks into all the experiences that brought me here all the things along the way and i think there are some pivotal experiences like my dad my dad passing away in 2018 and you know a little background on that my dad worked his entire life to prepare for retirement like all of us have been taught to do defer uh put put all your joy off until you are 65 plus and then get out there and see the world and you know, unfortunately, my dad was diagnosed with Parkinson's. He, um, he, ha- he got a very random infection and his, his life ended a little bit prematurely. So he never got to enjoy his retirement. And I think that's super backwards. I think we should enjoy our life as it is happening instead of deferring for some magical d- date on the calendar that we don't even know if we're going to get there. And not to be morbid. If you have the free time, if you have the motive, if you have the opportunity, or even if you don't, make it, demand it. And so that's a major theme. That's a major theme in the book is really kind of being true to yourself, to eschewing the societal norms, the expectations of others around you, um, and being true to yourself and whatever that looks like. So, other themes, kind of female empowerment. Um, there are, you know, financial. Aspects and other personal aspects, and um, never settling in relationships. So there will be a lot of stories that kind of um, a lot of stories from my life that inform all of those pillars. Well, I'm really excited to
0: read it. You better sign up. It'll copy be juicy. For <laughs> can't wait <laughs> um the story about your dad that that brings me back I don't know if you ever uh met him I, I I can't remember but do you remember Ray from the dance studio he was an older man maybe if I saw a picture I'm so graphic like that yeah he was one of my students he was 80 80 80 something years old and he came to the studio because his wife had passed away from cancer and he, it had been like six months at that point, And he was just lonely. And I remember sitting down with him and I'm 20, 24, 25, maybe at this point. And he says to me, he's like, well, he's from New York. He was an accountant. He had pretty good money from what I gathered based off of all the stories he told me. And, um, he told, he said to me, he's like, you know, I saved all this money for me and my wife to be able to go on cruises when I retire. And now we can't even do that. Cause she's not here. And he's like, you save all this money and the money doesn't go with you when you die. And mm-hmm. that like, I mean, I haven't really applied that until probably the last year or so, but that really just stood out to me. I was like, yeah, like I, we're stressed out about all these little superficial things. They're superficial in the, in the big picture of life. Um, but yeah, then, then you die and you don't even get to do all the things you planned for. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's really cool that really cool that you're doing this in the way that you are. Um, I think what makes it even more impressive is you're around my age. You're 36, right?
1: I'm 36.
0: So you're 36, you're female, you're not in a relationship And as females, we do have the expectation to be looking for that person and to settle down and to have kids and to have this like very like set life. And you're just kind of like going off. And if it happens, it happens almost. I mean, would that be the right mentality? Am I describing that right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we shouldn't ever have to wait for somebody to
1: join us for something to happen for, you know, the magic time. If there's something you want to pursue, I think all of us, we owe it to ourselves. We only have one life. And, you know, to the point you made, you can always make more money. You cannot make more time. So it's really about maximizing what you have now, what you can work with now. And I don't want to have any regrets when I die. I don't, I don't want others to have any regrets. So prioritize what matters to, to each of you and make it happen. And, you know, for me, that was experiences over possessions. I want to wrap this up with
0: your final thought. If you could go back and talk to Julie at probably your most awkward, confined time in life whether that was your teenage years or maybe like your early adult years, if you could go back and talk to her now, like what, what would you tell her? Don't care what other people think.
1: Probably like my entire, my entire teenage years. And even up until my college years, I was seriously concerned and worried about what other people think. And I'm not to say that I I totally don't care now, but I've reckoned with that so much. And if I could just share one story. In Minnesota uh, this past week, I was out to karaoke with one of my friends from college. And we are kind of at this sort of drunk bar that had karaoke. And I'm a karaoke purist. I go to lots of karaoke bars. And it was kind of irritating me because... There was a group of drunk people right in front of the stage. They're like singing and yelling at the top of their lungs whenever anybody would get up and sing. And, you know, that's for anybody who is a karaoke purist or anyone who goes regularly, that's really bad etiquette. Um, When you sing, that's their time to shine. They should listen to you or if they want to kind of sing sort of under their breath, that's fine. But they should really like give you the stage and i had sang two or two songs at this point and it was the same thing people were yelling at the top of their lungs i finally said it's my third song i'm going to say something and so i got up there and right before the song started i got on the mic and said hey guys you know my friends filming this if you wouldn't mind not singing over me that would be great and one of the gals said that was one of the bitchiest things I ever heard audibly, like right in front of me. And I kind of laughed and I said, no, i not. No, it's not. I politely asked you to do something. So help me out here. I share that to say we don't need to apologize for what we deserve, what we want. We've been told to be like nice and polite and and you know let people walk all over us and treat us like doormats and and apologize for everything and i i'm learning that no i matter i matter and my voice deserves to be heard and i i talked to my friend about this afterwards and and she was like you know when you put it like that you're right you know it is embarrassing and it kind of goes a little against your nature and you feel a little awkward kind of standing up for yourself. And maybe that's a silly example, but I want to bring that example over to all areas of my life. You can think whatever you want of me, but I'm being true to myself and my voice deserves to be heard. So
0: that's what I would tell my younger self. I love that. Thanks for, so much for sharing. Um, can you let people know where they can find you?
1: Yes, um, my website is juliedevive.com. And that's spelled J-U-L-I-E-D-E-V-I-V-R-E.com. And on Instagram, I'm at Julie B. Rose. That's kind of the main
0: places I'd send you. Thanks again, Julie, for joining me. I'm so excited that you agreed. I know you're my friend, but I'm still excited you agreed. <laughs> <laughs> I had
1: so much fun. I'd love to come back anytime. And I'm I'm really pumped to watch the the rest of the episodes come out.
0: Well, thank you. And um,
1: where are you heading to next? Do we know yet? Next, I'm going back to Phoenix. I'm going back to Phoenix to clean out my storage unit and fully cut ties with my former home. And and then who knows? We'll We'll see what the next chapter brings. I guess we'll just have to find out on your social media. Yeah, I mean, that's the best place to find it where I am. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome.
0: All right, Julie, we'll stay safe and um, I'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you.